As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Danae, Danae, do the, do the theme song. Do the spoiler theme song. <laughs> Sift Pop It Spoiler Time. Sift Pop It Spoiler Time. Sift Pop It Spoiler Time. With the critic, the geek, and the girl. Yay! Yeah. Wait, what time is it? It's spoiler time. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I don't sing very clearly. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just need I need major repetition. Nine <laughs> times is not enough for it to sink in. I've got to hear it like ten. Well, then you'll love this movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's my transition into talking about spoilers from... Hitman Agent 47. Uh, now, I don't really have a lot to talk spoiler-wise in this movie. Usually I have a bunch. I know there's some stuff towards the end for me, but I would love to hear Danae talk about the plot of this movie, not worrying okay. about spoilers, because I'm interested to see how long it takes you, because it seems like there's not really much there. So, basically, this movie is about a young girl who was abandoned by her dad, who has a lot of mental problems, so she thinks... So she takes medication and she's been searching her whole entire life to try to find this person that she's trying to remember from her memory. And she collides in with this group of hitmen who one is sent to protect, one is sent to kill. And we're not sure which one's we're which. We're not sure which one's which. Yeah. Unless, kind of, of course, you saw the 30-second trailer on television, in which case you know exactly who's which. Uh, <laughs> see, I can't imagine having seen the trailers and then watched this. I think it would have been an entirely different experience. Yeah, I bet. But that's kind of the plot for me was her... Trying to figure out who this person was and then learning these clues and then everything starts happening really fast for her. Okay, so let's stop there because I didn't mention this in the review proper, but it is another thing that stood out to me. Figuring out the clues. There were moments in this movie where they quote unquote figured things out and I'm going, wait, what, how? Like, where did that, like he, well, figured, out, <laughs> he figured out the father was in Singapore. Just by looking at a map. Just by looking at a wall, not just a map, <laughs> yeah. a wall of stuff. Yeah. Like, but it was a map that he had been looking at already, but in, the, in like two scenes before that he didn't know. And now yeah. it's like, like, oh, ah, now I get it. Ah, there's a city listed here. <laughs> he must be at the city that's listed here. Yeah. There's... I call I call this the lethal weapon school of story progression. <laughs> 
The guys in Lethal Weapon, like, they never, if you watch that movie, they never figure anything out. They happen upon every crucial piece of information in their investigation. Right. It's all accident. It's very similar to this. Like, they're, it's just like, oh, and then we need him to go to Singapore, so... See, I... Right that he figures out they go to Singapore. I have been working so hard to try to figure out how you guys do these movie reviews. I have been working so hard at trying to not be so critical and uh-huh. maybe swung too far. <laughs> because because I'm like, just embrace the reality. Just embrace it. And every single time I go into a movie, I take it into another level and I'm like, I'm not thinking about anything. I'm just going to experience this movie. And so I did. And then here I am on the total opposite side of you guys where yeah. I... <laughs> But I think it says something that you were able to do that with this movie because I think that means some people can. So Dumb people will enjoy this movie. <laughs> not at all. Not I hear not, what you're saying. Not at all. I did. I, I, I did think it. I I was very unimpressed with the parts we're talking about. You right. know, like the really convenient plot things, and there were things that really, really upset me in this movie specifically. So at one point in time, uh, she, the main character, this female, she has ridiculous amounts of powers. It's. It's kind of like I'm pretty sure she can see the future. She can see the future. <laughs> she can see how. through walls. She can anticipate things that are going to be happening. Yeah, the feeling she, I got was that she could hear so well that she could see the future. She and hears I don't know and how that se- works. Yeah, and <laughs> she was an enhanced, an enhanced human. Like she, well, we find out she's a, she is, uh, not a clone. She's like a test tube baby, has a, a mother and father. Mm-hmm. They created her in a test tube, basically. Yeah. And so he genetically modified her because her father is this, mm-hmm. you know, genesist who created the Hitman uh, program. And that's why everyone's trying to find her because they know that she is going to be finding him. Like they all kind of know she's got the skill set to find him someday. So. I did. I was invested in that part of it. And I thought, okay, so she's like the superhuman person. Let's see what happens. And then, so she's like growing into her power rather than medicating herself. And so there was some kind of fun stuff in there. And and she did have, you know, the internal angst of trying to figure out who she was. And they really may have done a better, they could have done a lot better job of developing that part to have us be more emotional with her. But then we would have had to have eliminated some of the other things that I know this movie was going for, which is the action scenes and the shooting, right. and, you know, all that kind of stuff, um, which I really enjoyed, too. But there were certain things that really, really bugged me, like the big, huge holes in the plot, like mm-hmm. convenient things that happen. Like, for example, she is rescued by um, I John Smith is who they mm-hmm. call him. In the, and he is also, you know, a... a genetically modified clone of some kind and also wolverine and with yeah with but, bulletproof skin but 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 the fun, that was a piece of information like, the way they set that piece of information i could not help but laugh out loud it was like I, it so, was a huge jump it was horrible because when when he is killed in that scene uh-huh. there is gore explosion out of his chest yes you see blood yes so he not only has a metal skeleton, he also has squibs on all the time. He, he has some... <laughs> what's a squib? A squib yeah. is a special effect that spurts blood. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, but you're given the impression that deep to his tissue is the skeleton that keeps right. him. Okay, yeah, yeah. so he, he reappears, and it's the same person, but when Agent 47 shoots him one foot away over and over and over again towards the end, when they're having their you know quote-unquote yes. big battle... 
there is not the same reaction in his body. And that really bugged me. It also bugged me that we're conveniently uncovering a part of the electric wiring that can then be used to zap him. You know, like that yeah. that kind of stuff really, really bugged me. Yeah. Because if you're going to be able to take him out for a whole day, like if you can shoot him from across the room and he falls yeah. over and is out of the game, and then you can take the girl and go away. If you can do that, then why does that change later on? Like, there has to be some level of consistency at some point. I mean, I suppose you can make the argument that he was faking the first time or something like that because he wanted to set something up. But that's, that's no, a huge but that, stretch. Yeah, because that's the other thing, too, right? The other, the other part of this movie that I think you guys will, will find frustrating is the setup. Because essentially, Agent 47 is using his quote-unquote sister to this, this female to... Uh, lure out this other geneticist that is wanting to find her dad mm -hmm. so that he can take over this agent program. And that's the whole part of the plot, you know, is to try to draw him out of the safe zone where all these agents have gone and tried to kill him before and can't. So he is going to be using her. So she knows she's being used, but doesn't know who to believe. And so she's back and forth and we're all back and forth with them. That uh -oh. I found really frustrating too, because it's like, I'm, you're so flippy floppy. You've been you've been the bad guy, good guy so many times. I have no emotion towards you. I, I, I'm not invested at all. He, when he gets shot at the end to save his sister's life, I'm like, cool, you're going to die. Oh, no, wait, no. Okay. You know, it's just there, you, you can never land anywhere in that. And that was frustrating to me. But I did want to say that when the hell when she pushed the helicopter into the room, uh -huh. that was pretty cool. <laughs> I thought that was pretty. There cool. There were some of those moments. Yeah, I thought I'll it was neat. It was neat. You met, you you mentioned two sp very specific things that made me remember. <laughs> so, Will you talk about at the end when he's shooting him when he's down on the ground? He's shooting him over and over again. Yeah. With no result. So this is what this is what drives me crazy. This is not the first time in a movie that's done this. If you know that's the case, yet you keep doing it, it doesn't make any sense. And this guy's supposed to be smart, right? So right. I don't understand why he's doing that. All he has to do, not all he has to do, but like why did do, he doesn't even at least try just shooting the guy in the eyes? Like let's see if I can make him blind. <laughs> right. That'll give me a leg up in this battle. And for how precise he is as an assassin, you know, just shoot him in the eyes. Going back to this, <laughs> just try it instead of in the same spot in his chest like twelve times yeah. when you already know the answer. Smart, smarter than the average human being agent. And, and what's, anyway, what's hard is that we know we as the audience are smart enough to know it's like, oh, it's because you're not supposed to be dead yet. Yeah, you know, yes. you know that there's going to be like an epic turnaround. So then lose, then lose the, then lose the super, you know, uh, stylized shot of him shooting him multiple times while he's on the ground, and then expecting us to be surprised whenever Silas eyes open up again. There were like, a lot surprise. of like non-emotional fights in this movie, and it reminds me of when we talk about like the Hulk versus the Iron. Iron oh, yeah. Man, yeah. the big suit, the you Hulk know, suit or whatever. Yeah, and Hulkbuster. Yeah, and you guys have talked about how, and I know that Captain Logan has talked about it too. Like when those big epic fights happen, we're not as invested in it because it's just watching these big guys beat each other up. I experienced that in this movie more than I did in the others, where you've just got these super guys pounding on each other, 
and they're taking damage, but and you just don't know like what their limits are because you have no reference points. Yeah. So and nobody is surprised after two minutes of credits when you pop back on in albino siler decides to go back <laughs> to life again. Like it's just Al Slyler. Yeah. So the uh, so uh, something else I wanted whenever he takes the bullet for her at the end. Did anybody else feel like that was 100% unnecessary? Like, yes, I it would have like, been a lot faster for him to pull his gun and shoot the guy, yes. which we know has bullets because he shoots the guy okay, right yes. after that. Yes, I at first thought, oh, wow, they're so precise because he knows he's out of bullets. That's his only option. But then, yeah. no. So it was another one of those things where you're like, okay, we're going this way. No, we're going this way. We're going this way. We're going this it way. It actually took longer for him to get in the way than it would have taken for him to just shoot the guy before he shot. I did not see the inhaler thing going on. Oh, and you didn't? Not, yeah, I, 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 I was confused. Okay, so I thought that the inhaler was a representation that he did have emotion because he was caring about his quote-unquote dad and yeah. wanted to provide him with an inhaler because he knew that he was had lung problems and he knew that he would need it because they were getting ready to go on this massive adventure. I thought it was yeah. playing to that tone of his character of being a human, you know, being someone who could be emotional and be empathetic. I'm glad you went here because I did want to talk about the inhaler. In case yeah, you haven't too. seen the movie, um, this is the key to the final explosion uh, that kills the ultimate bad guy, who we only really knew for five minutes. But hey, you know we're, we want yeah. to we're gonna take their word for it that <laughs> we'll he's take, the worst. Yeah, one. we're yeah. gonna take their word for it. <laughs> so, um, so what Agent Forty Seven does is he bribes a kid to take his inhaler by giving him a pocket knife. By the way, oh, not a pocket God. knife. That's not a pocket knife. That, that is an was, assault knife. That was like, uh, how would you? A switchblade. Yeah, it was yeah. huge. Anyways, anyway, he's not he's not a friend to parents. So <laughs> no. uh, he gives this kid this knife to take his inhaler, and then the next time you see it, he it's in the hands of the dad. He you may see him give it to the dad. I don't know. He, he, he puts he drops it yeah. in the in the pocket. Yes, he drops it in the guy's pocket. Uh, the dad right before, before he gets ca- right before the dad gets captured. Yeah, and then you see it on the counter when he's getting, I guess, would you saved, rescued, or moved, tortured, relocated, moved, whatever. Yeah. yeah, questioned, and they're like, "Okay, you can have your inhaler." And so he takes the inhaler. Well, it turns out it's a bomb, and he blows up the helicopter. When did he end. turn it into a bomb? I'm not sure. Well, the agent did that. He took the inhaler, knowing he was going to turn it into a bomb, and then get it into his hands. Here's the thing: When did he tell him that? When did he communicate to the dad that this was a bomb? Yeah. Well, Here, he, go, go ahead. No, go ahead. Here's what I think. Because number one, I thought, because actually I think this is probably one of the more thought out things, but I could be wrong. I thought, first of all, I thought it was poison. Like he was he was going to poison the dad. That's like, what I thought secretly, too. Yeah. Because that was supposed to be his intended target. Right. When you find out like who the real target was, I, I just assumed the dad was in on all of this. And so, you see the inhaler... Like, I mean, there were still some dots that weren't connected, but if he was in on uh, the, who who the true target was, then he might get it. You yeah. know what I mean? But I, so meaning meaning, I don't think there was a clear thing. No. But that's the only dot that I could connect. Yeah, <laughs> I think they. I just think they failed to connect a couple dots in the middle, and it makes it a little more confusing than it needs to be. Well, but I think that they were looking for that payoff of okay, the audience didn't know this is a surprise. Yeah, but there's there's a balance, right? Because if you really want it to be a surprise to the audience, just have him pull out an inhaler at the end and never have mentioned it before. <laughs> you know what I mean? There is a setting up of, oh, this is how this happened, that you kind of have to find that balance somewhere in there. Do you know what never there. paid off for me is her taking things apart when she gets anxious. 
Yeah, that was weird. I was, that was just a joke. I, it was a weird one-off joke, yeah. But, but see, she, back in her apartment, her original apartment, we first see her apartment before she has to run for the first time. We see that there's clocks and different things disassembled. Oh, oh that's, that's right. right. I good forgot. Call. Good so, call. And yeah. I was like, oh, that's interesting. She is someone who likes to, and actually, interestingly enough, I was thinking about it because of Siler. Yes. Okay. That's right. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. So anyhow, I, I, and she was all very organized. And so I, I knew that there was this part of her, right? So then she, then it has a payoff in the gun scene, you know, where, which was the only real humorous moment in the movie for me was what was kind of that awkward exchange where she had taken his gun. And it guns felt more awkward and, than humorous to me. Like it just felt like. Well, I, I thought it was kind of funny just yeah. because she's kind of like. Um, I'll give it that like, one. It just didn't hit she me. She did right. a good, I liked the way that she played the character for as much as you know you can yeah. play the character. I thought she did a great job. Yeah. But I thought she did too, yeah. But the part but I wanted her what I was hoping for is that that would come into play one more time, you know, where she would be either captured and then she would be disassembled. You know, there was so much more there because they were building her to be this sort of what was the movie uh with um Scarlett Johansson where they turned her into like 100% of her brain is used. Lucy. Lucy, Lucy yeah. She kind of went into that Lucy realm, right? Where all of a sudden she's kind of gaining these superhuman powers and we're watching it. And there's something so fun about that. There's something very heroes about that. Mm-hmm. There's something, you know, we, we're drawn to that as an audience to believe that we ha- have the ability of having superpowers and being able to have super strength and get through these obstacles. And there were a couple scenes in this, like when she escapes the chair and things like that, that I'm just like, that was fun. That was really fun for me. I want to see more of that. Mm-hmm. And this, that did not develop for me. I wanted to see her disassemble something and it be really like I don't know, a plane. I don't know. Just something, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because that yeah, was, yeah. that's a really interesting, curious part of her personality. Maybe it'll come out later on, you know, they're in their second movie that they're going for. Because obviously this movie ends with a pretty clear, we're going into two. I did want to mention uh, one other thing with the inhaler. Which is, it reminds me of the fact, and I mentioned this a little bit in the review proper, but both the the crux moment of exposition and our finale take place between the father and this bad guy, neither of whom we've really had a lot of time with. And it relegates our protagonist to spectators or even non-entities Wait, in two what? of the most important parts of the movie. What? Yeah. So the, the de- I would call this the, Jack, the, the Jurassic World uh, syndrome. Yeah, because, yes, our protagonists become spectators instead of participants in a lot of ways. Yeah. So because the explosion really is between the dad and the bad guy. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The two two geneticists. Yeah. And the conversation that kind of explains it all and has kind of the heart of the free will conversation is also between them. Mm -hmm. Our protagonists are completely uninvolved with both kind of the key emotional theme of the movie, you know, presentation, as well as the finale. Like it completely separates from them. They become spectators. Now I know technically Agent Forty Seven created the, you know, um, bomb. In, the inhaler, the bomb, and I'm sure as she's watching and being a spectator, we're supposed to feel that emotion with her. But at the same time, it just I don't know. It just, just to have them so uninvolved seems yeah. you know yeah a little bit like um what's the word where it doesn't live up to you know the end you know the expectations so. Well, I overall would, like I've said before, this this movie kind of reminds me of the Underworld series. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Where it Yes, where it, in that I couldn't tell you which one was which. The, they just all blur together yeah, as yes. an action grouping. And for some reason, sometimes I love those kinds where mm-hmm. they're the mindless ones I really don't have to pay tons of attention to to figure out. 
on the heels. I think of, I would say that I mean the tra- that's why I referenced the transporter because that, that feels the same way for right. me. Yeah, as those. That was a good reference too. Like on the heels of like Mission Impossible and these other movies that we've been able to see, um, the Man from Uncle. You know, this is a totally different kind in some ways, really similar in, in others, but I there was just there was so clean. There was some of it that was just so clean looking. The lines and the colors and the environments were so clean looking. And I I don't know. There was something really fascinating about that to me. Yeah. So there's bits and pieces that could have made for, uh, you know, a better movie with some attention. You know, yeah. it just feels that way. Which a lot of times. If this was a TV show, um, I probably would be impressed. I was like, that's a pretty good episode. Yeah. Like of a TV show. Right. Depending yeah. on the show. That, that's maybe what it is. And you know what? Maybe the reason I like it is because I didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> my ticket was my ticket was free. If I had paid for this, I think it would have a different experience. I feel like, that way all you know the I mean? time. I feel that way all the time that because I I get to see movies without paying for them. That uh, that yeah, I'm I'm maybe a little more yeah. lenient. I can't imagine paying for them. The, the um, I do. Do you guys know this guy, the main guy, forty seven from anything else? I know him only from Homeland. The show on Showtime. He was on. Oh, okay, he was on Homeland. Mm-hmm. So let's go take okay. a look at IMDb. Giving it right now a six point four out of ten, five point nine out of ten. It's gone down since that link was created. Where, where's it at on Rotten Tomatoes? <laughs> uh, I'll check real quick. I was not. I just thought he was a poor yeah. choice. Like yeah. he really? did not. He's not even good he in. Not, he's not even good in Homeland, really. Eight percent. On Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it says audience score is 62% liked it. Wow. Interesting. The average rating is 3.6 out of 10 on 60 reviews counted. Five wow. are fresh. Uh, five said fresh, 55 said rotten. Um, and then over on yeah, here. Yeah, but those movie critics, they're notoriously hard to please. <laughs> hey, while she's looking at that, did you think that, um, uh, uh, what's his name, Zachary Quinto, Sounded. If you close your eyes, he sounded exactly like Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, I, I'll have to. I did they not think of say, that. It was like Kiefer Sutherland from Twenty Four. Not. I don't know about everything, but his the way he talks and says everything like this. One of my do this. Yeah. This is my intense voice. One of my other notes that I didn't read, you know, during my rant was uh, three words. It said Siler can't act. <laughs> <just like>, oh. <laughs> so I, that is. So did we say that in the official spoiler section that that. That him actually being the bad guy instead of the good guy, which you don't find out till what half hour into the movie, is I, they give that away in the trailer. I did, yeah. What was the trailer giveaway? So the trailer giveaway was that he was actually a bad guy. Well, and the one Josh was talking about yes. before that is they start the the whole scene of the very first trailer is the scene where he's in custody and he uses his own gun to break his oh, chains yeah. and then turn in or whatever. And that's you know so far into the movie, it's like. Josh was saying the whole audience is waiting to get to that scene, right? Isn't that what you you were saying? But yeah, no, well, not, no, I'm talking, well, that too, but I'm talking about Zachary Quinto in the trailer. Like, you know, he's not the good guy. It gives it away in the trailer that he's the, that he's the bad guy. Right. That would be, that's awful because there was a, there was a moment, you know, where you're like, so when he said, you know, like you're, you're going to be okay or whatever, you know, and started to try to get information from her i was like this just doesn't feel this feels a little bit weird and i could kind of tell yeah. he was manipulating her at least i thought that's what was going on yeah. and then i, th- you I know, think eight, it, go ahead sorry. it's okay and then agent 47 comes in and takes her away and then we're conflicted again and then they begin to build a relationship and he's starting to draw this sort of power out of her which i thought was fascinating to just i was 
like what is your backstory oh that's interesting so i did i don't know i had a better time though josh what were you gonna say well i i think if you're gonna do that you can't give it away in the trailer obviously but it did make me wonder since i saw the trailer how much more interesting would it have been if i would have known that he was the bad guy like proper and it was selling it in the movie that the whole audience is supposed to know like building this weird tension between the two of them for that first act you know what I mean? Kind of like that scene in uh, Die Hard whenever he doesn't know that uh, uh, um, what's it, that he's traveling with. Oh crap! Alan Rickman when they meet down in the you know the catacombs of the uh, the building, and the audience knows that that's the bad guy and the good guy hanging out together, and the bad guy's faking it. But you know, Bruce Willis doesn't know. John McClane doesn't know. So I just thought like that might be a, that would have been an interesting first act. If he shows up, are you guys still there? Yes, we're here. <laughs> yes. I just realized. Like, anyway, it might have been interesting if you, if you as the audience knew that, and they were using that tension, you know, as he's trying to get the information out of her. Rupert uh, Friend. You know? Yeah, Rupert Friend is is the guy that was in Homeland. He was the in the Young Victoria, Pride and Prejudice, Homeland, The Zero Theorem. Those are the ones he's most well, known uh, for. He's British, right? He has to be. Uh, His name is Rupert. Oxfordshire, England. There it is. He's from the Shire? Yeah. <laughs> Different Shire. Oh, sorry. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't as annoyed by him. I don't know. I don't think I was annoyed by him. I just don't think he was the right choice. Like it just, he, his personality just doesn't seem yeah. to fit that. But they don't he have tried. personalities. No, no but that's not, what I mean. But not in that, that's like, I mean. there's a, there's a, there's a way that actors say their lines when they're supposed to be really badass and he was even though he's no emotion and he was trying to he was just really trying to do something that wasn't in his wheelhouse i thought like i thought he looked right when he fought and all that stuff but every time and i even thought like i bought him whenever he wasn't talking but every time he opened his mouth i just thought he was trying too hard to be tough yeah i don't know how to explain it like there's some people they just talk and you're like oh crap that guy's tough and there's some people who's like, oh, that guy's really acting. I like didn't he's pick t- like, that up. Josh. Like the director said, you have to play it this way so everybody knows that you're tough. Or, Josh, I don't know. Josh, yeah. you know what your problem is? You know what your problem is? I'm not tough. You I'm need me. Tough. To, you need me to know that you're better than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those lines in the movies were just oh, awful. Oh. Though they so were maybe it's really not all bad. his fault because there was a lot of stuff that these guys and gals had to deliver that was terrible. Cliche, terrible. yeah, terrible cliche. Like you, I don't know any. There's some lines I don't know how anybody could have got their mouth around them and made it made it sound natural and good. It was just the yeah. Pure, but okay, you know. so maybe maybe part of it is I'm conflicted because there were beautiful people and beautiful landscapes and I, I thought really beautiful scenes and the fight scenes were fun to watch. Like I was having a good time with all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, the director ha- was was true to his vision and in the stylization. Yeah, I don't think it was an original vision, but he was true all the way. Like he had a he was clear on his vision all the way but through. But the more that. that we've talked about it, and the more I've tried to kind of digest it, because when we left the theater, I I go at the same time Aaron goes, so I can piggyback on his free ticket. Thank you so <laughs> much, Starplex Theaters, for letting that be possible. You have no idea how much we appreciate you guys. But there's this there's this moment at the end. See. Usually if I don't like a movie, in fact, not usually, every time if I don't like a movie, I turn to Aaron or I look across the 
place to Aaron and I say, this is your fault. And I blame him for my <laughs> bad experience. Yep. He stood up at the end of the movie and uh, Jen, his wife, was sitting in between us and he kind of like looks over at me. He goes, you can't blame me for this one because our band fans told us <laughs> to see this one instead of straight out of Compton. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I was like, oh my goodness, he didn't like it. Like he didn't like it at all. And then I had to deal with the, the ramifications of, oh, she did like it. She's not. <laughs> I was really shocked. And then I, so I've been thinking, I was thinking all, you know, all the way home, I'm trying to figure out like, okay, so what was it? And then I started trying to figure out, okay, what do we usually talk about? We usually talk about, you know, these, these are the kinds of things that these guys usually kind of come at it from these mm -hmm. particular angles. And I started having trouble, you know, with the deeper stuff. I'm like, oh, I was really enjoying it at the, which is fine. It is fine. It's totally I, fine. I'm glad that I enjoyed it at that superficial level. Yes. You know, and I, and I, and I try to be careful to say that often when I'm critiquing movies is if you can have a good time watching a movie, have a great time watching the movie. It doesn't yeah, mean yeah. because I had some, this but really go during the in. matinee. Yeah. That's a good, you know? good point. Or print the DVD, but and I, br and bring your, uh, you know, knitting along with yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this really locked in for me about, oh, I don't know, maybe it was half a year ago. Uh, it was when Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 came out. And I had somebody come to me and say, I don't want to watch your Paul Blart 2 review because I'm afraid I'm going to feel stupid for liking it. Aww. And I was like, I don't want anybody to feel dumb for liking a movie. Have fun. Like, you know, yeah. my job is to tell you what's in it enough so that you'll know if you're going to like it or not. And mm -hmm. whether I like it, which is also part of my job to let you know if I liked it, but whether I like it or not, doesn't it doesn't make you wrong for enjoying it, you know? Yeah. So it's Can I can I tell you like this I'm going to get a little real for a second and I I, I and I mean this with the utmost respect. I don't I don't like reviewers. <laughs> I feel like reviewers or critics uh, in any capacity, not just film, I feel like how they are per, like not perceived the way people mo use them, use those resources is the it's the most unnecessary job on the planet. Sorry, <laughs> I don't mean that in a nasty way. <laughs> because it is. It's not like sure it's literally the one this. thing everybody has is like two things, their opinion and their you know, their butthole, right? So, like, everybody's got their own opinion. And so people look at it, a reviewer, like, oh, um, I, need to, I, I, um, I, I, I need to do what he says as opposed to using it as a tool to help you decide for yourself. Exactly. You know what I mean? So I don't think the reviewers themselves, I think the way they are received makes them useless. <laughs> um, not not by Terrible oh. thing to say, but I will say this: what I love, and what I love about this, especially, is conversation, uh, because I th I feel like not to discredit reviewer, you know, reviewers, even though it sounds like I already did, because but I'm not. I'm discrediting their the way they're received by some people, um, and that also comes from background where you know reviews can make a break if somebody comes and sees your play. And you know, right, a bad review sure. means, oh, thank you for, you know, you know, not supporting local theater, you know, or whatever, because we're still, you know, you didn't love it. And there's two reviewers in the whole town. Um, but the conversation about it is what I feel like it's just a pure, purer intention of what how a reviewer should be perceived as it's just opinions. There's just people talking and you can get, a, you know, um, a an educated perception before you go in. So I'm the same way. Like we're talking about this movie, which we, but the fact that, 
Danae found more things to like about it. It doesn't mean anybody's smart or anybody's dumb about what you yeah. know what I mean? it's just no. we have three entirely different perspectives that we came into it and, and you know what i i, I want to maybe we carry on this conversation for just a little bit longer maybe we use this for our bonus content today because i think it's something important you know to talk about and we'll just we'll just kind of chop this out and and people can hear it um i i just and it especially speaks to me because it is what i do it is part of you know my vocation i get i get paid yeah. to tell people about movies yeah. um and that's a really interesting thing because I don't know everybody who listens to me. And one of the things when I started uh, Your Movie Friend is what I call my, you know, kind of my movie brand. And the reason I call it that is because I really don't like the term critic because a movie critic takes a movie apart and says, this is what's right. This is what's wrong. This is what's good. This is what's bad uh, objectively. And I think the process of movie recommendation is so much more subjective than that. And yeah. what you want is somebody who's a friend who you go to and can ask questions about it so that you know what to expect for you. And that's why it's called your movie friend. That's right. That's part of the reason well, you besides, chose your and, brand. <laughs> but besides, besides that, like it, it, that's that's how you do it. It's not just the name like you are you are you are insightful. But like you just said, like if you can have a good time, go have a good time, or you know what I mean. Like, and I'm trying to find. There's not. There's, there's a not a. There's not a definitive. The buck stops here with you. Like some reviewers think that they like somehow are better. Like they're better at saying if if you'll like a movie or not than you yourself are, and yeah. that's insane. That's insane. They can tell you, oh, you know, this this movie was influenced by Godard or whatever. And they could say, oh, it was a well, I, my perception, it was a well execution of that or whatever. But they can't tell you better than yourself if you'll like it. That's right. And, and so when you come into it, you say, here are, here's the, the, the table. I've set the table. Look for yourself, <laughs> you know. And, and, and anyway, I, see- I appreciate, I'll have to say, I said all those, I, I'm, I feel like I'm, Having to defend what I said because I oh, want no. you. Oh no! No, not at all. I don't. I don't think that about you, and I don't think that in the pure nature of what a reviewer should do. I think just, for me, there's another element to it, and I see my job as just as much interactive as presentational. So that when you go to a friend and you you talk about a movie recommendation or non recommendation, it's interactive. You have questions for them; they answer those questions because you know you better, right? So yeah. I try as much as I can for as much as I do to be interactive. That's why I've loved periscoping my reviews because people are commenting right during them and asking questions and those kind of things. It's why I love the YouTube format because the comment section, you know, can uh, really give to a lot of that conversation and questions and those mm-hmm. kind of things. Because that to me is what a movie reviewer should do is it you should see it as an interactive process to help somebody know what they would like about a movie or if they would want to see it. Because at the end of the day, sure. that's probably why a lot of people come is to know if they should save their money or not. Yeah, so, no, absolutely. So that's... Well, it's so expensive as it is to, yeah, if you go, if you're going to go see one movie, you know you're going to see one movie like in a, in a month or in a week or whatever. You want to make sure that you're picking the, the right one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So no, I appreciate you saying that because I feel the exact same way. And that's, you know, I'm trying to build what I do and my brand kind of around that entire idea. So it's, you know, it's something that's that's really close to my heart. And I, I think that goes for movies and TV and all whatever people might review. You know, if you're not being a friend and, you know, having that conversation with people so they can make a wise decision, then all you're doing is presenting on a platter from on high 
your correct version of you know what the truth is and that's totally yeah. different right on right on says josh right on says me let's all hug <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well so i'm going back to what i said earlier too like having a con this a conversation format is so like that that totally sums it up as well like i give and a take and yeah. you know yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And allows and again, it's another reason I love having, you know, Danae, who's not a movie lover, in on these conversations. Because not a she, movie lover. <laughs> because she she has a totally different perspective. And there's somebody who's listening who can latch on to that perspective. And I always wonder how people who See, like and I feel like when I'm doing the podcast and we're talking about it and when it's like the non spoiler spoiler version, I try and I I know I get like kind of there's rightful teasing about my version of what a spoiler is. <laughs> For me to actually not spoil a movie is to like just straight talk about the most simplistic parts of it and that's it. Right. Because I hate spoiling movies for people and I hate being spoiled. Yeah. So like I'm like maybe a little bit over hypersensitive about it, but I feel like there's a way to present information. This is kind of what you're talking about. There's a way to present the movie outline and just be like, you know what? There are, there's a violence in this movie and there are plot holes in this movie but it is an action movie and if you like fight sequences and you enjoy like gunfights and you want to see maybe like a different take on how com- the things are put together or i guess i'm learning the exact same take that everybody else has uh, i didn't know that until now because <laughs> okay oh, oh oh i just remembered something i'm having a memory of the movie i'm sorry i'm gonna insert it right here do it because that's how i roll so when they leave the um car lot or the car not lot but the car garage uh-huh parking yes. garage and they yeah. go out into the street and they get like uh, fish hooked uh-huh do you know what i'm talking about yeah a whole bunch of different yeah it, all these different like anchors go and and yeah, zip yeah, lines yeah. zip lines yeah well and then like they're keeping them in place i thought that was kind of cool well it's a dual purpose right they're keeping the car in place and they're using them as zip lines yeah. to zip down to the car i thought yeah. that was pretty yeah. cool yeah so did I thought I think that was probably the most inventive thing in the whole movie. I would agree. Yeah, I liked that part because I was like, whoa, I've never seen that. But did you notice the cars in the the, the street? And they were all blue and yellow taxis. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were all the same exact vehicles in blue, gray, white, and red. I thought it was blue and yellow, but that's fine. Yeah. Depending on where you looked, like there was this one particular scene, and they were all lined out like in this like pattern. Every time I saw something, like, I know, every so time I saw something like that, which I, there are several examples of that, I always thought, is that a video game reference? Are they referencing maybe. the oh, game? Maybe, maybe, because I was thought. like, because I, I would think that that stuff would be on purpose. Yeah, but <laughs> so anyway, I, that's the kind of stuff I'd be like, if if you don't mind that some of this stuff is so outside of reality that, but then it's also in our reality. This is obviously in the future when genetics have been. Like, there's just certain things that you can kind of give them clues that, that you're not yeah. telling them what to expect. Like, in the show proper, we don't even talk about how the girl is has superpowers. You know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of stuff I think is fun for the audience to get to develop on their own. Yeah, to kind of figure out oh, themselves. Sure. And yeah, the, yeah. I, the less you share, the more that they get to have their own raw experience. That's why we don't watch trailers. That's, yeah. I, I am so for it. To me, it's like, here's the example I use. When you're a kid and you're, you're, you know, mom or dad comes in to tell you a bedtime story. And they start into the story. You know, you don't want to be the kid who's like, oh, I saw how you workshopped this earlier. And I read the first, <laughs> you know, draft of this script. And 
I, I was kind of hoping it would go here. No, you just want to listen to the story. You know? I think it's kind of like <laughs> when you have a, a um, someone's cooking for you and they have you taste it over and over and over and over again to see if you like it. And yeah. then you have the meal and they're like, oh, isn't it wonderful now? And you're like, it's the exact same thing. That, do you <laughs> yeah. know, like, like when you see something yeah. over and over and over again? Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah. That is it. Well, well this was fun. Uh, it started yeah. off as a conversation about spoilers with Hitman, uh, Hitman Agent 47 yep. and then kind of moved into us talking about reviewing movies. Very cool. I love or it our serves the same general purpose, but a different specific purpose. We Sorry. are so thankful to be able to do this show. We do our show proper live with a live audience. And if you would like to join us for that live show, please consider getting Mixler. It's an app or it's a website. You can get Mixler. Search for Shoe the Dough Live. That's where we do our live show is under that format. You can find links at our website, AaronAndDanae.com. So thanks. Appreciate you being here. Is are you talking to me now? No. I was talking to the audience. <laughs> what do you want today? Today pointed at it. me. <laughs> I want you to tag this podcast because I am I am supposed to be somewhere in like three minutes. Tag this podcast, oh, Aaron. This is a delight not being able to see all of the nonverbal oh, community. We should link you in through video, though. Okay, I'm going to do a tag. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. So I think that's it. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us. And again, if you want to check anything else out, go to AaronAndDanae.com. There are those who say, Leave well enough alone. If it isn't broken, don't fix it. You don't mess with success. While others have something quite different to say. The new Lexus RX. Now with enhanced dynamic handling and available 12.3-inch touchscreen. It's the best-selling luxury crossover of all time reinvented experience amazing at your lexus dealer click the banner to discover more as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming i wish i had used indeed if you need to hire you need indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.